0: The world has ended. Everything that remains of humanity's culture is stored here in this podcast, a time capsule assembled by three white dudes from what was once called the Midwest. This is not everything, this is not most things, but this is
1: it. Welcome to another episode of This Is It, a pop culture podcast for the end of the world. I'm Sam Webb, and I'm Gabe Webb,
0: and I'm Daniel Osborne.
1: And every week on This Is It, we talk about uh, just the things that, when the dust settles from whatever bad, bad, bad thing happens, inevitably to make the world fall over, uh, we're the we the people there to explain why we had so many cartoons as serial mascots um or maybe definitely not westerns we've established that uh
2: (laughs) (laughs) never talking about those (laughs) ever
1: and someday future you'll know why uh (laughs) but you won't know what they are (laughs) yeah you won't know what but you'll know why we're not talking about them (laughs) Uh, but we're not talking about Westerns or cereal boxes or anything, uh, of that nature this week, I don't think, uh, Gabe, what, what are we, what are we talking about
2: this week? We're taking a deep dive into the world of electronic music.
1: Yeah. I think dare say this is a very special episode. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We're all going to
0: learn a valuable lesson. (laughs) Yeah. That's not to do steroids. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Oops, I spoiled it. Oh, <laughs> At least, man. yeah, I mean, maybe the lesson is definitely, uh, if not steroids, definitely like club, dro- club drugs.
1: Yeah, club Haloose drugs. Uh, cool hats, uh, <laughs> weird jumping, dancing. Um, no, this no, is what I know about Sam brought that up.
0: <laughs> What's everyone's favorite electronica hat? <laughs> <laughs> I love a hat that just has a bunch of
1: lights and says Sup Dog. I just think <laughs> it's a little dated, but I think it's a classic. Yeah, it is a classic. It does, yeah. I'm I'm more of like a uh, like a sort of an, uh, like a steampunk bowler hat with maybe some <laughs> LED lights on it. Uh, That's very authentic. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for a classic '90s bucket hat. Mm. Uh, no amendments. Whoa. No, man,
1: it's just pure that that straight bucket hat. So it's, it's kind of although, like
2: an analog electronica. Is, although what if we uh what if we start a genre that's a combination of the 90s nostalgia and steampunk? So it's like 90s punk but also kind of steam. Steam 90s?
1: Steamy Steamy 90s. I think that's probably its own <laughs> playlist on Spotify, uh, but uh we can we can try to usurp uh, them.
2: Uh, take that uh Kenny G
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's Kenny G famous for b- being the most sensuous artist known to the 90s.
0: No, 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 no,
1: no. Well, yeah, so uh Gabe, I think this is uh sort of an interesting episode in the sense that Usually we just revel in the fact that we all have varying degrees, sometimes zero uh, consciousness and expertise in the subject matter. But, like, this is a topic that Dan and I really will be re- deferring to you on <clears throat> on the, like, the main beats uh, joke, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. music joke. <laughs> 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 Hashtag joke. Hashtag <laughs> <laughs> joke. Mark it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I am... I think, prepared to take on the role of Sherpa through this. Uh, now, is that a
0: technical term? I'm taking notes. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking detailed electronica it is, notes.
2: It is not. It is not what, a technical term. Who Who is the king of electronica? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but maybe we'll get a step closer by the end to know Should I be taking off my shoes? You can, for sure. <laughs> okay. Your feet might swell up.
1: <laughs> Whoa. <laughs>
2: Um, but yeah, yeah. Are we ready to, are we ready to dive in? Yeah. I think so. As I'll ever be. Yeah. So I feel like before diving into this, uh, there are just a number of caveats that have to be thrown out when, that are maybe a little more specific, I guess, than the normal ones of, it's just three people talking about an unusually large concept. Um... Especially since we're going to try and cover a lot of ground, both in time and space and genre, uh, I think. So all of this will be wholly inadequate to capture uh, all of the various degrees of the major branches of electronic music, and where they come from, and who makes them, and there are glaring omissions already, so fight me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, uh, hopefully, listeners, you'll, if you've, if you've ever heard an episode of this show, you probably are aware, the whole premise is built around, we are not going to mention all that needs to be mentioned. (laughs) So, yeah, Gabe, you're, you're in a safe space. (laughs) You're our (laughs) Electrona Sherpa. It didn't work. It didn't work. Yeah, it it came close to work. Yeah, it was it was near enough to want to try, but once I heard it, mm. no, it didn't work. <laughs>
2: um, yeah. So I think to get us started, we have to talk about the origins of the synthesizer.
1: Let's do okay. it.
2: Okay. I have no. I actually don't have any. I've in my normal setup, I would have played a little synthesizer,
1: but I don't have any <laughs> right now.
0: Oh no. Why did we send you to Europe, Gabe? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Gabe, uh, you, you went there to become a synthesizer.
2: Fun fact, though. There is, a, there is a website that sells synthesizers wholesale whose office location is a block from my apartment.
0: Yes. Um, uh, it's like the time you didn't go to France just to
2: spite me all over again. <laughs> just... um, yeah, I could have gotten those guys over here, I guess. Come to my apartment, salespeople. <laughs> for a podcast um but no, okay know so what those are yet here we are imagine if you will a world without electronic sounds are you imagining yeah i'm yeah. picturing
1: it i'm i'm okay yeah, cool it's, i'm it's mostly birds i guess um
2: birds so and fiddles yeah. in 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 much the way that the uh Rap World of the 90s had both East Coast and West Coast. Mm -hmm. Uh, So did the World of Early Synthesis. Uh, There was, on the East Coast, you had uh, Robert Moog, Bob Moog, who is definitely the more famous of the two names that sort of came out of this, uh, we'll call it an Analog Synthesis Gold Rush. Or War Battle.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah. Always call it a war if you can. Yeah. <laughs> the
2: war The war to synthesize, if you will.
1: One of Dan's most interesting, <laughs> like, just very hard stances. Always call it a war.
2: Uh, and then on the West Coast, you had uh, Don Buchla. Don. That sounds wrong now that I'm saying it. Don. No, that is correct. I've just always said it, Dan before so damn straight (laughs) (laughs) and then on the yeah and then on the west coast you had don Buchla, who uh came to market with his analog synthesizer one year after uh moog's first one came out um and they are as you can imagine these giant uh phone operator matrix things of just patch cables and bloopy sounds and dials and knobs
0: Until Um, you hit the word bloopy, I had no idea what you meant. But then you got me back with bloopy, so I guess we can move
2: forward. (laughs) Um, Yeah, these uh, these are... This is where electronic music, I think, really begins with the uh, development of the analog synthesizer uh, by these two guys. Um, And then... So I think maybe the best place to really get your feet wet Actually, this is definitely beyond feet. This is like being thrown into a deep end. Um, <laughs> uh, so Suzanne Chiani is a... Uh, she's one of the like female pioneers of electronic music. She studied under Don Buchla uh, and helped him develop the synthesizer and also uh, studied composition. So she's one of the first people who really used this as a true instrument. Um, and she's also one of the first people to uh, really embrace electronic music for what it could be, which was nothing like music that had ever happened before. <laughs> um, and I think once you kind of hear uh, of one of her one of her performances, you'll you'll understand, which is why I picked for the time capsule uh, a recent reissue of one of her performances uh, at WBAI. Uh, in 1975, of her playing a Buchla synthesizer, uh, it's pretty great.
1: Is this it right here?
2: Yeah, this is also 19 minutes long. It is. Is
1: there like a is there like a moment in it that is like when it's at its most revelatory? <laughs> uh, I mean, right now I'm hearing things that like if a human was playing any of this, like. In some if they were able, if, if a human was able to make with a normal instrument this sound I would I think in 1975 this would freak people out is this yes. like, this,
0: is the, this is the sound of what I assume the shape of
2: water is <laughs> this, this is this is the sound of the shape of water
1: <laughs> this does feel it feels kind of like uh yeah like like if if a computer was an ocean this is what the sound of the ocean would be. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Which the future will get better than we will.
2: Yeah, for sure. Or maybe they won't because they don't know what an ocean is. Mm. So just try and use the sound to recreate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so like, I think one of the hard things to grasp about a lot of electronic music that came after... Uh, the sort of early years when the the forms, the the form and the music and the technology all sort started, started coming together is uh, just like how because you have so many offshoots and a lot of them are dancey and we'll get into those and they're like very easy to understand I think for people. Um, but then you have like the more ambient offshoots, uh, mm-hmm. which are a lot of are very much descendant. From descended from this kind of thing, and a lot of those are definitely pushing the boundaries of uh, what we can actually call music, and they're doing it intentionally, which I think is a really like rough aesthetic to get your mind around if you are just encountering it. Um, yeah, so that's why I threw in her and her bukla and bukla himself. Nice, but we'll we'll just go with that recording. <laughs>
1: Well uh that so I'm going to ask some some simpleton questions. Yeah, for sure. What is if this is so this is a concert that took place somewhere. Like this was not a record this is obviously a recording but like this took place live like someone was doing something in front of people?
2: Yes. Yeah. Is this
1: one person like flipping switches? Are they are like how much of like, is there, is there, like, a, a looser definition? Like, if someone showed up with a violin and then pressed a button on that violin at a concert and it just played the song that they recorded the day before, like, that would be, people would be upset? Is there, like, more mm-hmm. of that in electronica music at this stage? Like, are people like, why am I here? <laughs> you should have just sent <laughs> us all a tape. Uh, like, is there, is there something performative to what they're doing in this context or is it, is it more just like I plugged it all in and now it is going? <laughs> yeah,
2: that is actually, that's a very fair question to ask about electronic music for sure. Um, because I think there is a sense among a lot of people that it is just some guy showing up with a laptop and plugging the little, uh, quarter inch jack into it and yeah. pressing play and walking away or at least only pretending he's doing something. Um, just spinning those plates. Yeah, that don't even the, the the ones that don't even have records on them. Right, anymore. right.
1: Like he's just he's just got an empty turntable. He's he's actually just he's keeping himself entertained at roughly a toddler level. Like he is just mm-hmm. slapping stuff, and that's yeah. that's my understanding at least. <laughs> um, and that
2: is in a lot of in a lot of situations that is not an unfair critique of electronic music for sure. Uh, just because I do think, I mean, as with any genre, I think you run into the problem of there, there being the good and the mediocre. Um, so to the performative side, yes, there is actually, especially in the, in the days of, uh, like the early days of analog synthesis, there is definitely as much performance going on as, uh... Maybe like a concert pianist, almost you know um, so i'll I'll actually just i'll shoot you something real quick, okay, to make it give you a visual cue of what's what this all looks like cool uh yeah, I actually had the chance to see uh Suzanne Gianni. she was uh one of the headlining performers at Moke Fest two years ago um, and she did a she did a live concert. Um. <laughs> okay
0: so I'm watching this And I'm processing what you played for us And I have an even more Simpleton question than Sam's Yeah Why <laughs> 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 Like why all of this Like I, I get what you said And they're pushing the limits And I get that that's a very important part of art But engaging with something That really flirts with the edge of Can we call this music um, I think it's interesting that they want to play in a space called music, but yet intentionally kind of veer away from, I'm not sure this is music anymore. <laughs> um, and
1: uh, just for the listener, what the, the Gabe sent us a video of the Suzanne, is it Ciani? How do you say it? Uh,
2: I, I believe it's Ciani. Like, uh,
1: yeah. The Ital- yeah. Okay. Uh, and it's, <clears throat> it's a a single person on a stage. Um, who is – the the camera is in the audience, but there is a projection behind her of, like, a camera feed right at her hands, like, doing all of the synthesizer stuff with, like, a bird's nest of different (laughs) audio cables being, like, connected all over the place, and it's – it looks like – Like she's not moving old timey switchboard on fire. Yeah. Like, Like, yeah, it's, it's, she could actually
2: probably curl up and go to sleep in it. Like that's the amount of wires we're talking about. Yeah.
1: It's like roughly the size of like, it would, it would take up most of a normal like desk and is, is like a bunch of knobs and stuff, but she seems to mostly be actually physically plugging and unplugging things. Um, so not a, not maybe some twisting of knobs and stuff there too. Oh, and there's like a touchpad. There's like a yeah. little uh, that it, yeah. It's it's a it's an interesting setup that if you were to take someone from any time in history prior to like the 20th century and show it to them, the idea that they would look at it and think it was an in- instrument seems impossible. Like they. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, they like this this looks more like i don't know it's very different and dan, yeah dan i think that's a fair question like the like what um what is the i don't i i don't I, you know i i don't want to question whether people like something uh or not but i uh, it is kind of like what drove someone to work this hard like it, <laughs> it was the <laughs> Because it's a lot of there's it's so many so many wires.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. So okay, the wires thing is a shocking visual, I think, for a lot of people. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Especially when, also like one of the, synthesis like when most people think of synthesizers, they think of like a keyboard, you know. Right. Um, which like the Minimoog, which is probably the first and most famous synthesizer. Uh. Also has a keyboard like most of the you know if you imagine like an 80s hairband like their synthesized player synthesizer player definitely has a keyboard uh, but for the most part that's actually not necess- it's not necessary and it's in a lot of cases not used by a lot of the really like heavy uh, analog synthesis people okay um, because what they'll do is uh, in these these consoles, one of the one of the reasons they do this, this thing they do with the wires, mm. is uh because one of the most incredible things about these synthesizers is the ways in which they can be configured and customized. Okay. And the way the people who use them choose to do that. Um so they are all made up of component like basic components. You have like an oscillator, which is what actually makes a sound. Uh you have like Uh, Voltage-controlled amplifiers, uh, which uh, control, like, the signal and the, uh, like, attack and decay and release Mm -hmm. of a note. You have sequencers that you hook them up to, which uh, can also, uh, like, step through patterns. So, in a lot of ways, yeah, you do have to get over, like, the, the, the lack of visual metaphor for any instrument you've ever seen. Right. Which I think is one hurdle, and then the sound itself is also uh, to to Dan's more existential question of why. <laughs> um, I don't know that there's like a single reason for why <laughs> any any more than I could easily point to you know like uh, Schoenberg in the early twentieth century and be like, uh, why did why did like atonality take off as a movement in classical mm-hmm. music? Um. And there will always be like the people sort of at the fringes doing these crazy things. Uh, but we'll sort of bring it. I think we can bring it back now. Yeah. Uh, to maybe, maybe something that's a little more uh, accessible. Awesome. Uh, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like you can't really talk about it also without talking about Kraftwerk, the German uh, the German band. Oh yeah, sure. Um, and. If anyone has ever listened to the Coldplay song "Talk," I feel like they will recognize "Computer Love."
0: Hey, they ripped off Chris Martin. Hey,
2: <laughs> they are actually credited on that album for uh, yeah. for this riff.
1: And so, this is a combination, it seems, of synthesizer and is there also then? Are they just sampling that? Uh, that Coldplay bit or is it <laughs> who, who, who uh, who's the genesis of, of they, that? this is
2: uh, this is the genesis of that of that song okay um, it came out in
1: 1981 I
2: think gotcha um, on their album Computer World um, and yeah to sort of bring electronic music back to a form that I think most people can appreciate a little more then the sort of freeform jazz odyssey, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think Kraftwerk was some of the was maybe the first band to really do that. Uh, this came out of this uh, like Krautrock German this, this movement where German rock was really finding its own its own voice, um, and and then they ran with it in the direction of uh, embracing. Uh, synthesizers and drum machines and vocoder vocoders and like things that uh had not existed before so mm. that's why that's why the love for them they're still around still still kicking but not they also too, embraced too much, they they, they also embraced like a uh like an actual aesthetic as a band which i think was repeated um this sort of like man machine kind of deal
1: mm. like in a daft punky sense where they're dressed like robots or or uh they're it's always like a
2: very austere humanity i guess like slick back hair like button-up shirts and ties and gotcha. like uh you know if you imagine dystopian office workers imagined by the 80s mm. that's probably <laughs> about where we are okay I dig it. Oh, that thing.
1: Yeah. Dystopian office workers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> totally checks
1: out. Yeah. So in in the world of so you mentioned that there are kind of the the people who are going more of a traditional music uh direction and others who are building soundscapes and doing kind of pushing the limits of that. Like uh are the are there people who because of that divide get mad when like electronic music uses like standard human voices or like, (laughs) is there like, are there people who are like, no, every sound should come from a a piece of electronic something, something like they, is, is it, are there purists in that way? Or is that like nonsense?
2: Uh, I have never encountered someone who, uh, is necessarily so pure so uh obsessed with the electronic purity of their electronic music that they would be uh upset.
0: So thanks, um, Sam. You spoke it into existence.
1: Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say, like, that's probably something that like robots are sitting listening <laughs> to this right now and are like, you guys don't even know. <laughs> Especially since
2: um uh like the like dub, which is one of the genres that gave us uh, a lot of like sampling as a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, dub itself being a kind of uh descendant of reggae, yeah. Um, a lot of dub was just made out of uh sampling and resampling reggae recordings, yeah. Uh, so the like modification of the human voice was definitely uh a thing. So, in that sense, uh, it it seems maybe a little disingenuous to suggest that human voices can't be in electronic music because they have always been. Okay. Although they might be like modified.
1: Um, and, and that is that is where we come to. House is not a dub. Is that is that? um yeah. I'm, I'm looking at our playlist here. Yeah. It does. It sounds like someone has like a looping reggae cassette that is is like is playing in some sort of opening credit sequence.
2: Yeah.
0: And it I sounds mean, like, like I'm in a really crappy bar. Because,
2: <laughs> like, a lot of... Uh... Yeah, so, like, this is a, at a time where you're getting to, like, the early, uh, cr- the early creation of a lot of the technology that would allow for things that would become, s- like, staples of electronic music, but also of hip-hop. Yeah. Uh, like, the evolution in the beginning is in a lot of ways really connected, uh, with sampling and then also with like the introduction of the, uh, like the drum machine, mm. um, which is, uh, why I threw, uh, why, why I wanted to throw Planet Rock, the Africa Bambata song in there too. Uh, because this is probably one of the earliest and best known, uh, Uses of the Roland TR808, which 808? is probably the yeah I recognize you know those that numbers. you know those numbers.
1: Okay, yeah, this sounds like this this beat sounds recognizable in a way that yeah. I feel like the others thus far have been like either Coldplay or not recognizable. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean the like the sound of the 808 is at this point uh like so ingrained in in like hip hop beats that uh it's it probably deserves it. its a, like a You could do an entire show on that little guy
1: alone. Mm. Um, yeah, uh
2: this
1: this kind of reminds me of uh there's a explanation of East Coast versus West Coast uh hip hop in uh, the first episode of the podcast Mogul that I think I may have mentioned at some point before and just talks about like how a lot of East Coast hip hop just came from like people throwing block parties that uh, like they just had like yeah. uh like different different just looping, uh you know, like backing tracks for stuff that they that they would get and throw and P- MCs would just like battle over top of whatever they had access to. And that, that was like a major influence on the, the early days of hip hop. I just, it sounds, I like that, I like that also just, oh yeah, this one piece of electronics like shaped the future of multiple genres of music. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, the, the 808 for sure uh, definitely had a, probably an outsized impact because it was one of the first, I mean, it was still expensive, uh, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's fairly compact and fairly accessible uh, to use. Which, uh, I mean, I think as, com- like, home computers got better and better over the next two to three decades, uh, is actually kind of one of the alluring things about electronic music for a lot of people. And that it's just, like, very democratized. Like, mm-hmm. any anyone who has, uh, you know, uh, a garage band
1: could make something. Could start a garage band. They could, yeah
0: nice so don't trash talk garage band gabe i just (laughs) sent a garage band garage to garage your band and kill you
2: what (laughs) (laughs) oh no my band is gonna be (laughs) garage
1: oh no i forgot garage was a verb (laughs) (laughs) to my detriment
2: uh yeah so that's i would say those were the like the the things we just went through were what I would consider the like origin phase. Mm. Uh, in terms of like genres they're borrowing from, and like the technical things that needed to happen for electronic music to be like a thing.
0: So we've done Batman Begins. Yeah, that's right. So what's what's the what's the Dark Knight
2: of this equation? Yeah, who's the All Joker? Right. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> Who is so serious? <laughs> Uh, we'll get, I feel like we'll get to the Joker in a minute, but maybe we should start with, uh, I don't know how to take this Batman metaphor any farther. Uh, whatever uh, that
1: generic Italian talking guy that he drops, uh, off of a flight of stairs or whatever, uh, the, <laughs> the like generic mobster guy who's in the, the first act of Dark Knight. <laughs> who's, who's okay, that guy? Cool.
2: Uh, I think that guy is probably 808 state, uh, <laughs> who is a they they're a Manchester based duo. Um and I I bring them up for uh discussion if only because of well one they are a very important a very important figure in the uh world of house music. Oh yeah. Uh so like now is when we start to get into uh, a lot of the weeds of genres that have sort of come up. Um House being definitely in the same vein as techno, uh, this very dance-inspired, uh, like repetitive, beat-based, uh, beat-based genre, uh, and then 808 state probably being the pioneers of acid house.
1: Acid house.
2: What do any of these words mean? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, it's really easy to get lost in them. Uh, a lot of them I don't think mean as much as fans and practitioners think they mean mm. um, but they I, do, I don't I do necessarily feel like we have to go into it because you don't need to um,
1: well, yeah let's just take a minute and just embrace yeah. the like get lost in this beat though that beat though that beat though <laughs> so at this point like if, if you were, you're no longer seeing someone unplug and plug things in, in a radical way, I'm no. assuming this is mostly you, done. You are from not. a couple, like um, the, the like Roland 808 and, and other such, such doodads.
2: Yeah. Like this, this is, uh, yeah. Coming from the kind of like drum machine metaphors and studios and then live music, uh, you know the, it's more of a traditional uh we'll say conventional DJ setup uh where you'll have uh, especially in the up until the personal computer really came into play uh in a in a meaningful way uh you have you know the turntable decks and uh stuff various stuffs to to modify the way they're
1: playing mm.
2: uh so so in that sense it's still very analog
1: which is a crazy thing to hear someone say about electronic music. Like the idea that, yeah. that, like, it's still something that has to be assembled in front of you.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you like, did give me a great idea, though. We should form an electronic band where we all dress like members of the Geek Squad and make music by plugging and unplugging hardware and software on stage. Just
2: restarting routers. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um,. There might be something to that for sure. Yeah. Or we can uh, tune fifty six K modems.
1: <laughs> I I mean there are there is that one guy who, who made a bunch of hard drives spin at different frequencies in order to generate music.
0: Is that electronica though? Like,
1: uh, yeah, like, like, like for real. Like is it? Game uh, is it?
2: <laughs> just, if if I had to weigh in, I would say that electronic music is anything that relies most heavily on synthesized instruments and sounds. Um, so as opposed to, uh, so as opposed to the conventional actions of air passing over a reed or through a tube or over a hard drive. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Cause you can obviously make the case that like this thing vibrating really quickly is whatever. Uh, <laughs> But I do think one of the maybe the important distinction is that the human is so much less a part of it.
1: Um yeah, it almost feels like especially in the early days and maybe in differing forms throughout that like the humans involved in making this music are more of like conductors than they are anything else. Like they're kind of making the trains run on time more than they are like hitting a specific chord. Yeah, that's that's
2: definitely a, a pretty decent uh, analogy, for sure. Um, which I think is where some criticism of electronic music comes from, because people are like, well, there's not actually that much skill in just, like, moving some stuff around, you know? Uh, but I would very much disagree at almost every level. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, this the the amount of things that one is doing with their hands in order to make the at least in the the video you sent us and i'm assuming at some point dj's were working really hard uh that, that like it does seem like it's it's definitely a skill set like you're you're just it's like a bunch of micro instruments that you're maintaining rather than like just playing a single instrument
2: yeah and For the sake of argument, I actually think that a good place to sort of come to this touchpoint is actually with Aphex Twin.
1: Yeah?
2: Uh, His song Four is one of my favorites. All right. Um, And I I would fight anyone in fisticuffs uh, who who might suggest that he is not a true composer.
1: Yeah. This is starting to get... Um, this sounds like a Gabe Web song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is starting to get consumable. Consumable.
0: <laughs> um. I was worried about being offensive, but then Gabe just said that, like, basically, they're the electro, the electronic music artists are just like conductors, and now apparently anything's fair game. Um.
1: <laughs> high art is low art. Low art is high art.
0: just... <laughs> We're the uh, book and the movie of Lolita all at the same time.
2: That's right, <laughs> We are the shape of water. Now, This is a really good song, though. I like yeah. this a lot. Um, one, of the, like, one of the things that really stands out to me about Apex Twin is uh, while this is definitely more melodic than a lot of his stuff, a lot of it gets really glitchy. I think this is a good entry point to him, and just how layered a lot of his music really is. Uh, because you can listen to this song and you can listen to almost all of his songs and while they do have these like themes and motifs that come in and out a lot of them also will the closer you pay attention the more you find samples or beats that happen one time um, and then it's sort of a very classical like theme and variation on those things in a way Uh, so I think he's probably one of the more outstanding uh, people Still, still putting music out there. Who uh, works in this space for that reason? Just like the actual look at it real close craftsmanship of what
1: he's doing. Yeah, like I, it's definitely like it feels. It, again, we're we're playing with definitions all over the place. It feels more musical, while also still feeling definitely not like. Like I think this is the close. This is the first song that we've crossed over where I'm like, oh okay. Like this is this is where it's both music and not played by mu- quote unquote musical instruments uh, or analog yeah. instruments.
2: Yeah. Now we're. I mean, now we're definitely also starting to get to the point where it is late enough that uh, computers are really like computers <laughs> I, as we think of them are really there.
1: Yeah. They're most of that the, wiring the whole is happening inside a software program or something.
2: Yeah.
0: So, there I have the, I have this thing rolling around in my head about Aphex Twin. Um that friend of the show Christian Loftus once told me that like it's Aphex Twin is kind of sacrosanct, and, like you're not supposed to sample him. Is that true? Is that just the thing I have incorrectly rolling around in my head cuz like I know it was a big deal when Kanye West sampled sampled the sampled April 14th.
2: Um, um Yeah, I I can't. I don't know that I can necessarily speak to that per se. Okay. Um, I would believe it. Uh, I know he is someone who is very private of his identity. Um, I mean, we—it's not like in the Daft Punk sense where we like don't know who he is. Uh, but he is known to almost never perform live ever. Uh, his. He had an album Zero that came out a couple years ago. That was, I think, his first album, in maybe thirteen years.
1: Whoa.
2: Uh, there's a lot of sort of legend about him being very uh, Prince-esque, and that he's probably sitting on a like a actual vault worth of material that he's just never released. Uh, so there's a lot of like mythos, I guess, that goes comes along with Aphex Twin. Which is why I would believe something like that. But yeah. I, I guess kids, do the research for yourself. Yeah, kids. <laughs> but it, it, I would be interested to know that now that you've said it. Um, and then, now that we're getting a lot more musical, I also think of real, real important person to talk about is maybe the most famous person ever from Iceland. <laughs>
1: uh.
2: Bjork. Benny and the Jets. Benny and the Jets. <laughs> the, those little Elson horses John.
1: with their, their floofy hair.
0: Uh, Sigurd Jarlsson.
1: <laughs> so yeah, Bjork is maybe where I first got exposed to the the like the <laughs> sharper end of the electronica stick. Like I obviously like had basic encounters with techno, um and like Daft Punk and things that were pretty, you know, like I'm gonna say tame in comparison uh, but Bjork feels a lot like like she's kind of daring you to, to like <laughs> listen through the end of the song and not in like a, a, a burn on her music I, I do enjoy listening to a lot of Bjork songs it's just like it, it, it it's an experience that's a lot different than most musical experiences I have is that like what, what part do you feel like Electronica plays in that? And what part do you think is just Bjork is is Bjork?
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I, you lost me at calling it the sharp end of the stick. I'm worried about how you are internalizing this kind of music. <laughs> I am bleeding. Should we not be bleeding?
2: I'm, I'm bleeding too. Dan, you're the weird one. <laughs> I, I'm the weird one. Bleed with us.
1: No, I guess I just mean that, like, Bjork is the first person that I probably would have, ref- like, thought of as a, like, electronic artist who is also kind of in that, like, she's also famous in the way that, like, Lady Gaga's famous, but, like, so- some of her music feels a little bit like it's an art piece and some of it feels like it's intended for a club, and that's what I'm, like, Yeah, uh, that's what I mean um, by sharp end of the stick, is that, like, she's, yeah. she's pushing boundaries. Yeah.
2: For real. Um, For real. Real talk, guys. Real talk. Um, Yeah, I think you have probably done a better job of, uh, like, articulating her uh, than I think most people who have limited exposure to her, because I think, at least pop-culturally, a lot of her persona is tied up in her public weirdness.
1: Right, like the oh, swan she, dress or whatever. The swan dress,
2: and she, like, tackled that recorder in Thailand that one time. Uh-huh. And she, um, she
1: has, like, a little a little Icelandic uh, accent. and
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, Icelandic Amalé. Yeah. She <laughs> is very,
1: She is Icelandic Amalé in a lot of ways.
2: Uh, there is a story of her at one point having... Uh, requesting a producer run a microphone cable out the studio to the outdoors... Uh, so she could sing to the ocean. Mm. Um,
1: just a microphone, just hated not that like, producer, not man. <laughs> yeah,
2: he was just a real dick, and she wanted to drive it home. Um, Shove into the uh, dick. But yeah, I do think she's really notable, especially on this album, because uh, she did produce, uh, this is her, I think, third solo album. Um, homogenic, homogenic
1: however you want to put the emphasis. Um, All I know is that if you're trying to get the Icelandic pronunciation right, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. So, like,
2: I think she is notable for the fact that she does probably more so than anyone up to this point uh, in, our, in our journey really merge the, like, electronic and conventional things together, uh, especially on this album where you have, like, these the beats that she's made uh, paired against these string arrangements that uh, come in and out throughout the song mm. and throughout the album. Uh, and this is definitely, like you said, a, a song that has a lot of very danceable elements in terms of like the drum beat and the like, very low bass line. Um, and she also just has these like crazy vocals. So Yeah. Uh, and that's, I mean, that was probably what this album did better than almost any of her work up to that point um and uh, definitely after it it get, it does get progressively more uh sort of daring i say in the sense that you did sam that she's almost seems like she's daring us to make it through <laughs> uh but yeah i think she's you know for for uh for for lack of any accessibility she certainly has uh definitely tested out both sides of, of the equation in terms of like the pop and mm-hmm. and the uh just like uh i don't know <laughs> just compositional end uh, especially with her like more recent albums so that's bjork there's there's something about Bjork worth yeah. saying in there, I guess. No, yeah. It's, so, I,
1: I think it's interesting that we started this conversation talking about people using electronic music to really push the boundaries of, like, what music is, and that Bjork is definitely a, like, mainstream famous musician with, like, mainstream success, but is still kind of doing that at times. I feel like that's yeah, that's a thing that you do not encounter as much in, like, like, people maybe push the the boundaries in, like, their personas in other branches of music, but I don't feel like, in many cases, that there's, like, this, you know, they, and and they're definitely innovating on the theme of what is pop, what is hip-hop, what is what is rock, or whatever. But there's not always this thing of, like, now, is this a song? Right. <laughs> like, is this a Lady song, Gaga or is this, like, a, a-, like a nightmare soundscape?
0: Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> To relate it back, Lady Gaga has never made a song... She's made bad songs, but she hasn't made a song that, like, pushed any limit at all. They're, it's just pop music. Right. Um, some of it's good, some of it's bad, just like pop music is. But uh, her weirdness is confined only to her visual aesthetic, mm-hmm. not really to her soundscapes.
2: Yeah. That's... Yeah, and that's one reason why I kind of... I don't know. <laughs> that's one reason I sort of bristle at the idea that when people sort of refer to Lady Gaga as, uh, like an art pop figure. and yeah. The art is, the art is where I have like trouble with it. Not in that I don't, I don't think she's producing art because I do, but I also don't think she's, I, I feel like that label should be reserved for people who are truly innovating beyond just wearing like goofy outfits for the sake of wearing a meat dress, you know? <laughs> I forgot about them. Wait,
0: process. are you saying my meat thong doesn't make me an innovative
1: podcaster? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gabe, we've gone so long without mentioning it because it's, it, we, you know, it's just one of those things people are supposed to know about us that we're all wearing various meat clothing. <laughs> but this, yeah, my... this week I am wearing a swan. <laughs> and it all keeps right. pecking uh... me.
2: No, Sam. It's supposed to. It's just a fake swan.
1: Oh, oh man! I. That's where you. That's where you messed up. Mm, you see, you know. That's why. That's why you're the electronica electronica expert. You you know what states all swans should be.
0: <laughs> um, and what states you should buy them from. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. Do not get your swans in Wisconsin. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs>
1: Georgia's got some weird swan law. Um. <laughs>
0: Wow. All right, we're running really long. Do you have something to like send us out on, like something for something for the people, or and or something for the real
2: weirdos? <laughs> okay, people who want to get real weird. Yeah, uh, let's take a look. We're gonna skip. We're gonna skip down to uh, the present. So we've done a we've done a good arc yeah. so far of history. Um, I want to say three songs in particular that I think are worthy of note. Uh, One, for how terrible it is. <laughs> and that's ghosts and stuff.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, so I think,
2: like, a lot of uh, electronic dance music right now, EDM, which is uh, really having, like, a mainstream heyday with, like, big festivals and mm-hmm. things, uh, is just garbage. Like, I just think it's garbage. <laughs> for it's, yeah. like, very straightforward, very, like, predictable kind of machismo. Like, the current incarnations of Dubstep all have these, like, things that build towards big really predictable drops. Like, it's just such a cottage industry at this point.
1: Yeah, it feels very like copy and pasteable. Like there's just yeah. there's this idea that like oh like there was obviously the lampoonable uh, fire fest or whatever, but there's all these different oh, yeah. festivals that are just like yeah, we're gonna get a bunch of people who are maybe doing you know they're like pushing to like but they're not pushing themselves to do new interesting things in art so much as they're just pushing themselves to like rebuild the same like sandcastle like they're they're all guys
0: guys why didn't we start with this song this song is so good <laughs> um, this is so this is so good this is this is real electronic you can yeah. just
1: tell <laughs> uh, the name of this album <laughs> the name of this album is called for lack of a better name the extended Jesus. mixes
0: try a little like um, it's it's try a little
1: it seems like they specifically labeled it so that they just make it clear like not only did we not bother to come up with a good name we also didn't edit anything
0: that's mm. the second worst album title since memories do not open <laughs> um so I, yeah no this is this is definitely i'm glad we're ending on how this is i mean i know you have more but, but this is crappy because this is because I'm a complete idiot, this is most of what I think about. When I think, I hear electronic music, electronic music, and a part of me drops that D in there. That sounded wrong. <laughs> a part of me drops, <laughs> drops, turns it into EDM.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. Just kind of automatically. Yeah. Um, so there, you have this, you have this kind of stuff. And I do contrast it with like, uh, like, the kind of thing that, like, Aphex Twin makes, and even 808 State, where the, Mm -hmm. like, the dancier but still better house uh, DJs were doing those kinds of things, where it is the more you look at it, the more you realize that there's something different about it every time. Uh, Uh, Whereas this, like you said, Sam, is very, like, copy-paste. And uh, there was actually an interview I read with James Blake a long time ago, where he talked about Because he's part of, like, some people call it IDM, intelligent dance music. Um, Uh. I know, which I think is a gross term that uh, I also think he would bristle at. Um,
1: But he'd bristle at it in a way where you had to have really good speakers to even hear it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but
2: So I think there is, like, a counter-movement where you have James Blake and... uh, still Aphex Twin out there producing stuff that is very much counter to this, uh, James Blake being a lot more accessible, um, and they take it in a very, like, minimalist direction, or, uh, a lot darker, um, like on songs like Retrograde, uh, where you actually do have some, like, pretty dubstep elements, like, there's a drop somewhere in the song, like,
1: Uh, I have a funny story uh, specifically about Retrograde. I uh, had heard it a couple times on the radio, or in like a. I was like streaming something, but it was like. It, it was in a format where I heard it and was like, oh, that's kind of a cool, like, catchy little, like, whatever song. And then there, there was just this moment in the song where I'm like, oh, it's interesting. They kind of, like, stop making much noise. It's, like, gets really minimal. And it wasn't until I listened to it in my car, like, after I'd already become kind of a fan of the song, that I realized that there is a drop because my speakers I was listening on to before couldn't register the bass. Uh, <laughs> like, it just, it simply was like, oh, it's get, it got really quiet. But there's, like, an actual, like, whoa, 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 like that wobble bass or whatever. But it's, like, yeah. it's so much better than that like the crap that we've been talking about the ghosts and stuff of the world (laughs) yeah um yeah and I think he's I
2: think he's a, a like a real master of like dynamics like making songs that contrast a lot between loud and soft I think LCD sound system is also really good at like pacing a song um so like you have this very minimal end of the spectrum that takes a a really takes a reactionary approach to ghosts and stuff by sort of stripping it apart, um, and then I would say, and this is probably a good a good ending point, um, you have uh, people like Grimes who are taking ghosts and stuff on the opposite side. Uh, and they are fully embracing this like maximalist sound Mm. uh but also doing it in a way that i think takes care uh and like butterfly is a a really good song for this uh because it just has like a lot of dynamic range but it also has uh, like the more you listen to it for the samples she uses the more you realize that there are just like these little things that bubble up all throughout and they just kind of Appear and disappear and like come in and out. And they, there's one that happens once, and there's one that sounds like it. It happens later, but it's a different thing. So it just has so many moving parts. Uh, yeah. But it's also still still just like so dancey and poppy that it's just great.
1: Yeah, this like it's interesting the ways that this isn't like from a bird's eye view, tons and tons different from ghosts and stuff in the like the raw materials. But, I mean, like I think this is a yeah, this is a great spot to end on because it's like, yeah, you can make a computer make noise, and sometimes and computers are smart enough that you you don't have to be that smart to make good noises come out of them anymore. But you still have to be an artist to make it worth listening to.
0: It's like how when I'm being really cynical and I want to like just drop a turd on the beatles i say a day in the life is the exact same song as rebecca black's friday (laughs) because it is but even even i know i'm being a turd when i say that because it's not true like rebecca black's friday is cheap consumeristic easily churned out crap and a day in the life required artistry and thought and planning even though it's two, each song is a jackass describing their day (laughs) um (laughs) But there is, there's a difference. There just is, even though you're playing with a lot of the same materials.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm. Well, Gabe, thank you for, for walking us on this, this long, like, this journey from, from like a bunch of wires getting plugged into stuff to, uh, to like fun, dancey grime songs.
2: That's. Yeah. Thank you. Your are thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for, yeah. Inviting my service.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, uh,. Weird. Like, let's just. I'm gonna do a quick overview and tell me if there's there's things I need to need to cover more. So we've got we've got that back in the day, the origins of the synthesizer with Moog and Blorg and Storg. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't remember. I know Moog because they won the naming thing. Uh, yeah, but uh, they definitely and, they
2: definitely had the better branding.
1: Yeah, uh, and then jumped up to Computer Love by Kraftwerk, and then we got into dub with House. Uh, house is not a dub and planet rock. Uh, and then we jumped up to Aphex twin, uh, Oh, eight Oh eight state. And then Aphex twin. And then we circled around to the, uh, the songs of your nightmares slash the songs you want to dance to in your nightmares, uh, by Bjork, um, which is not the name of any of her music, but it wouldn't shock me if it (laughs) was, uh, and then took a dump on ghosts and stuff and made ourselves feel better with James Blake and Grimes yeah uh a, a real true journey we've gone on um let's uh let's talk about things that uh that we like that i don't have a playlist for but we can still talk about the things that made us happy uh the let's do that joy division yeah uh who wants to who wants to go first
0: i will i will Uh, so I, for once, am not short on things to talk about, and I could talk about all the things that I've been taking forever to get caught up on, like Handmaid's Tale or, uh, crap. There are more things. Anyway, I'm not going to do that intro. Uh, so I had a list. Um, what's making me happy this week? What what the the real joy division in my life is is that it's nearly South by Southwest time or South by Southwest is happening. I don't know. I'm not going. Um, it it could be now. It could be a month from now. I don't know. But what that means is the NPR has put out their Austin 100. Yeah. Um. Now I am kind of bad at finding new music. My musical exploration kind of stopped in 2007, which is part of why in this. Uh, electronic music episode i'm offensively like Neanderthalish, but every year uh, i think it's still stephen thompson from npr music goes through thousands of artists and picks 100 songs to deliver to you i think you can still download it but the playlist is also on spotify um not every song is gonna be for you they are they're always death metal there's always like afro reggae hits there's always um a really strong there's always quite a few like white people playing banjos and that might not be your thing either but it's supposed to be what's next what's upcoming what the new trends might be um and so it's really just enjoyable to listen to and i have over the years found artists that i want to follow um it's where i was first uh exposed to the artist mitski who is now one of my all-time favorites um, but it's just a great way to break out of your out of your bubble uh, and try some new stuff. So on NPR's website and on Spotify, the Austin One Hundred. Awesome.
1: Um, I can go ahead and go next if that's that's good. Um, I uh, I I have been sort of. Watching the show in bits and pieces, um, because it is a Netflix show and that's a thing that you get to do, um, is just decide whether you watch it all at once or over the course of months. Um, and I watched this first episode uh, a while ago, but um, but just recently like, blazed through the rest of it. And that's a show called She's Gotta Have It, um, which is a Netflix original series based on the uh, Spike Lee uh, movie with the same name and roughly the same. From what I understand, I haven't seen the, the original Movie, but uh, it's uh, it's the the basic story is about a woman named Nola Darling, who lives in Brooklyn and has three, not quite boyfriends, but three guys that she's like hooking up with, hanging out with, spending time with, and the the real like, and so and to that end, it's a Netflix show with like a lot of smooching, the occasional nip slip, uh, all that stuff, but but it's it's mostly about how like these three guys all seem to to claim that they know her and that they all do to a certain extent but that the the point of the show is really about how like her identity is not with any one of them and that that's like she's still trying to figure herself out and that's why she's in these three relationships and she's an artist and um and the show is just is really it's a Spike Lee's really involved in the uh, he wrote a lot of the episodes and directed them and it's just it makes Brooklyn it, it like it makes the Brooklyn like tourism Bureau seem like they sponsored it like it is <laughs> it, every every episode it's the only show I will say on Netflix do not skip the intro like because it, it's just it, the the theme song is the same every time. And there's certain pictures that are the same every time, but the the intro is always these like beautiful mix of video and still images, both from like black and white classic Brooklyn images uh, and like newer photos of people, um, and it's just like real people and the Fort Greene Park and bridges and beautiful scenes and uh, and it's just it's it's really well put together and the cast is awesome. The, the woman who plays Nor- Nola Darling is incredible. I haven't seen her in anything else. And then one of the three guys she's dating, this guy, the character's name is Mars Blackman. That's who Spike Lee played in the original movie. And the guy who plays him, he's uh, he's half black, half Puerto Rican guy, played by the, the theater actor who, uh, oh, he plays John Lawrence and uh, Philip uh, Philip Hamilton in the oh, original yeah. cast of Hamilton. He's incredible. And he's like it's such a weird character. And, you know, like they're but it's just it's it's a really good show. It's it's got some like weird things that like culturally I am I am not like I cannot speak to like their they're they are from a different I do not live in Brooklyn. And so I don't know if this is like the way it is there. But uh it is it is still great to just like sit and see a really good story told and edited in this like uh this great way and since this is a music heavy episode uh it's a great show for that because there's music just kind of throughout the show and there's always like a scene will end and you'll realize there's been a a song playing underneath it the whole time and then they'll just like full screen throw the the album art for that song for like a couple seconds like it's just like their way of being like hey we're we're being your DJ along with like telling you this story and that this it's just a it's a really cool, well-made show. I definitely recommend it. She's gotta have it on Netflix.
0: It's super cool. I love the sound yeah. of that. Yeah.
1: Gabe, what's what uh, about you? Uh yeah. is it ele- an electronic I, music song?
2: Is, I will I will keep this uh I will keep this music heavy episode going um by throwing in the uh album that came out this week, American Utopia by David Byrne, who mm-hmm. uh, I, along with Dan, also was apparently on NPR Music this week um, because they were streaming it on First Listen. Uh, mm-hmm. For anyone who's not familiar, uh, David Byrne is the former uh, frontman of Talking Heads uh, and has, since uh, their, their separation, uh, kept very active uh, with all kinds of zany musical projects, uh, and he is currently touring with this album. Um, he's going to be close to here, and I might try and make it... I saw I saw a YouTube video of him talking about some of the zany stagecraft that they put together for the tour, so uh, I kind of want to... I might try and make that happen, but we'll see. We'll see, people. We will see. We will all see people again eventually.
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> how... It works. Cool. Um, and so, I, Gabe, are we good to... Am I, can I just go ahead and share this Spotify playlist on the show notes for this episode so people can, yeah, it is can currently, walk through uh, this?
2: it is currently shareable.
1: Awesome. Open so to the public. So, yeah. Uh, thanks again for doing all that work and for building that playlist, and we will uh, have that link in to the Spotify uh, playlist on our... Uh, on our you should be able to see it in your podcast player right now, listener, unless you're in the future, in which right case now. you found it in an orb or something, and uh, we can't help you. Orb, orb, orb. Orb, orb, orb. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, uh, oh, yeah. let's close this time capsule so we can give all these beautiful gifts to the people of the world
2: you
1: and stuff. and